Welcome back to the Love Your 9 to 5 show, episode number 31. It used to be that, you know, marketing to somebody was almost like a holdup. It's like this guy is trying to fill up gas and you come out with a gun and say, here's my product. You better buy it. This is, it's perfect for you. And you like, and the guy's like, I'm just trying to fill gas. I have an appointment to me. Like, no, 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 no. You're not going to continue watching that TV episode because I want to tell you to go to your local supermarket, buy a product that you never wanted or needed. Now it's very different. Now it's, I actually went to the gas station to get gas, and while I'm getting gas, you're showing me that, I don't know, maybe another version of it or something else or something for my car or something that will help me get to my appointment, uh, whatever, but it's something that I'm already looking for and you're providing content. I'm not selling you anything. Here, you know what? You're filling up on gas. Here's this little thing that'll make it easier for you to do it next time. Caution, you will begin to love your 9 to 5 with this show. Join us as we explore and discover your unique strengths and learn to apply them to your daily business activities with your host, Shmuel Septimus. Welcome to this next episode of the Love Your 9 to 5 show. My guest today is Dan Moyle. Uh, Dan is the inbound evangelist, which we will hear about some of Dan's uh, unique uh, take on inbound marketing, what that means, and the new way to market and marketing in a more effective way. Uh, Dan, thank you so much for taking some time and welcome to the show. Thanks for the kind welcome, Shmuel. I'm, I'm happy to be here, man. Okay, excellent. So before, I don't know you that well. I looked at some of your content and we had our little pre-interview talk. Um, tell us a little bit about where you where you are personally and a little bit how you professionally evolved to where you are right now? Sure. Um, I work for a company called Interview Valet. Uh, I, it's a, a very small micro company. We, we're ba- we're kind of like kind of like a PR agency, but for podcast interviews. Um, and it's more than PR. We also coach uh, our clients on how to, how to do this whole podcast interview marketing world. Um, the nice thing is, uh, and, and why I love, I love what you're talking about on your show is this inspiration thing of if you don't love your nine to five, how do you evolve? And so I work for the, the owner of the company. We're, we're kind of like partners, basically. He calls me partner all the time, which is awesome. And so I got to, to get out of this corporate nine to five gig into this almost an entrepreneurial world, although the company doesn't ride on my shoulders. So it's like this entrepreneur light life. Uh, and, and I love it, man. I, I love marketing. I have, I have absolutely fallen in love with podcasting. Um, I get to work with clients around the world. Uh, inspiring thought leaders who maybe have books they want to get out or some kind of a message to help make the world a better and more interesting place. So man, I, I am absolutely blessed beyond all measure with what I'm doing right now. Wow. So it sounds like you kind of have the advantages of being the entrepreneur and you have that type of business uh, mindset without the full responsibility, which is wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> uh, tell us, tell us a little bit about where you were before you came to inter- interview Valley and kind of how you got to where you are right now. Yeah. Um, directly before uh, interview Valley, I was working for a mortgage company as the marketing director. And as much as I enjoyed it and worked with some great people, um, it was, it, it, and it was a great place to, to hone my skills and to, to make some connections. I mean, I got a chance to go to, um, to Boston where I know you're from um, to, to go to the, the HubSpot event inbound seven years in a row. And so getting that kind of education and and support from Amerifirst was absolutely awesome. But I also had to go to a corporate corporate setting, right? And, and do all these corporate, uh, you know, the 
take, take steps and everything I did in order to get things approved or talk about budget and all this stuff. So I didn't have an entrepreneurial life at all. Corporate um, red tape. Yeah, there you go. Red tape. Absolutely. The, the 30 mile stretch between uh, thought and action. Exactly. So yeah, I'm, so I was at uh, Amera first and uh, this mortgage company doing, doing marketing. And that's where I kind of earned the title of inbound evangelist because I, I love the inbound world so much rather than the interruptive convince people that don't want to be convinced um, and try to get their attention and said, I want to earn the attention and keep it and, and help create raving fans. Um, before that I was in the news. Well, say, let, let me just jump in there for a minute before we yeah. get there. Um, can you define for us inbound versus traditional marketing? Yeah, absolutely. So to me, and, and there are great definitions from, you know, companies like, like HubSpot or, um, you know, content marketing uh, is, a, is a different term that people use for inbound. And, you know, Content Marketing Institute has a great definition and everything else. But, but here's how I define it. Inbound marketing is the, the new way of thinking of marketing as a, as a way to communicate with your ideal customer uh, through the channels that they're already in and draw them in with engaging, helpful, relevant content that helps make their life better. I'm not trying to convince, like, like if I go back to using as an example, if I go back to the mortgage company, I'm not trying to convince renters that all home buying is better than any renting at all and that they need to get out of that and I'm just trying to like change their mind. Instead, inbound focuses on when that renter begins to think about, gosh, I don't wanna rent all my life, how do I buy a house? I don't even, even know where to start. And they go searching for it, whether it's through search engines, through Google, or whether it's through social media, or just word of mouth, we want them to find us, right? And so that's the world of inbound marketing, bringing those customers to you when they're ready to start thinking about you. So traditional marketing, okay, I'm just trying to process this. So traditional marketing, um, let me go to my world, right? Let's say nursing home care, yeah. um, right? As a nursing home administrator. So if we want to market our facility, we have to market either to potential clients or to our hospital partners. And we have to convince them to sell to us. In, in other words, to send their patients to us or to choose us as their healthcare provider. So I guess that would not be the inbound marketing. That would be walk in with a plate of donuts. Here's we're here from whatever facility, I won't name it on the air, but we are from this facility. And um, next time you have someone, remember, we're the ones who brought those donuts, send us, you know, send us your patients, yeah. as opposed to inbound. And I might be saying this wrong. That's why I'm trying to process this. As opposed yeah. to inbound would be that we provide those case managers so much guidance, education, uh, knowledge, and support throughout any interaction that we have with them. And maybe we find where they go for their support and where they go for their knowledge and where they go when they need help and we're there being that supportive uh, resource that they're looking for. And then naturally when they need us for what we really provide or what we, you know, our money-making uh, service, in this case would be care, they'll say, oh my goodness, these are the ones who are so helpful and they're so innovative and they're always helping. It's just natural we should send to them even without necessarily looking at the features, benefits, they just want to work with us. Is that kind of... Shamal, you hit the nail on the head, man. That's exactly it. Yeah. Awesome. The, the, the plates of donuts, the, well, let's see, where are those case managers spending their time? We better buy advertising on these shows or we better, you know, this trade magazine and just put our picture up there with, with no value and that kind of thing. Yeah. That's, that's your traditional advertising and marketing and, and yeah, the, the helpful side of things, education and that kind of thing, support. Perfect. Perfect example, man. Well, 
Okay, you know what? Uh, let me hold my questions for later. So where were you? You said before that you were in the news media. I'm going to write down what my thought. Go ahead. Yeah, no, yeah, no worries. Um, yeah, before, before marketing, I was in uh, TV news production. I was a, a morning show producer, which basically, if, you don't, if, if people don't know that, you, basically that's the person who stacks the show. They pick the stories that go on the morning news. Um, they uh, schedule guests. They write all the scripts. So I was doing a ton of writing. Bef- you know, within that career for almost 10 years, I had... I had also been, you know, a videotape editor. So I, w- I would edit the stories that went on the air. Um, I had been other forms of producer and writer, multimedia producer. Um, I'd go out, I was a photo, a photo journalist in training. I did some, some uh, video shooting for a while. So I was, I was at the TV station for almost 10 years. And so that really taught me, you know, audience development and what mattered and, um, you know, different media, the, the, the different media you can use, whether, uh, it was, you know, working with radio stations to get our news on them, on their stations through basically podcasting back before it was even podcasting, you know, uh, files of audio in order to get information out. And so, yeah, I was, I was in news for almost 10 years and that's when that was where it really started for me of, I don't want to be here, but I know that it's good for me right now, but I'm going to find something new. And that's where I really, I think is what you're looking at. Uh, Shmuel is, is that whole idea of not loving your nine to five. That's where I began to not love my nine to five. So so for some people, they would feel fortunate because, you know, we always look at anyone involved in media as somewhat of a celebrity, no matter what level it's on. And you actually have the opportunity, uh, you know, to decide what will be on the morning news, which may not be the most exciting part of the news, but still you had it definitely had an integral part in making all that happen. And all the other facets that you just described, they sound really exciting to the average person who's not involved in the industry. Well, and it seemed like for a while that worked for you. So what was the shift? Um, there were a few things that happened. One of them was probably the same story with a lot of people. Management changed. And when management became this idea, their idea of managing was to do so through fear and withholding of information and just not treating people well. And I just, I didn't like that. And then on top of that was, you know, when, when somebody would leave, and there was a position open, they wouldn't necessarily fill it. It was, okay, everybody that's here, do more with less. And it just became this trying to, you know, squeeze blood from a turnip, right? You just can't do it. And it, and it became a very, a very difficult environment to be in. And as much as I really enjoyed, you know, writing, at one point I, I decided I'm going to call myself a writer because I'm being paid to write. It's news scripts, but I'm being paid to write and it's being said over the air. This is incredible. So I knew I was fortunate. Uh, but I just realized that like I can, I can do more with those skills that I've been blessed with than what I, where I'm at. And I can find fulfillment and joy uh, in a different setting. And, and so that's, that was where my journey started. Right. So the natural progression from your TV career is to go into mortgages because I'm sure that's most I people mean, do that. Of course. Yeah. Nobody, <laughs> nobody else did really. Um, <laughs> How did that happen? And was there any connection? Yeah. It, so I was, I was there again. I was very fortunate. I was lucky. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if you, you know, people believe in, believe in luck or in uh, some kind of, you know, universal thing that that's, that's directing all this or believe in, in a higher power. But, but I was fortunate. Um, at the time that I was wanting to get out and, and I wanted to, and I, and I thought about marketing and, and PR as, as a venue, right. Or as an Avenue, I thought, boy, I've been reading press releases that are terrible for years. I've been writing forever. I can do video. And I wasn't in front of the camera at all. I was always behind the camera. Um, but I thought I, I could do this thing. I, I, I'm a writer. I, I, 
this I can do, right? I can edit things, whatever. And, and so some company's going to want me, I know they are, my ego got in the way. And I thought somebody's going to want me to come bring my expertise to them. And so I'm in Southwest Michigan. So I'm not too far from Battle Creek, which is where Kellogg cereals, Kellogg food company is. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I tried getting in there. They wouldn't give me the time of day. There are some medical, there's a medical device company here in, in Kalamazoo area. That's called Stryker big fortune 500 company. I thought there again, they're going to want me entry level is fine, but they're going to want me. Wouldn't give me the time of day. Um, I ran into problems getting out of news because I didn't have a, a bachelor's degree or a master's degree in marketing or something. So, so that was the hard part of it. That was my obstacle. But fortunately at, at the time, uh, the owner of the mortgage company, he had, he had heard David Meerman Scott speak, uh, the author of the new rules of marketing and PR he had, he had bought the book Inbound Marketing from Brian Halligan and Dharmesh Shah of HubSpot. And he read that. And in that book, it says, if you want to create this world for your company, you want, you want to be a publisher, you need to find somebody who can do that. Not necessarily a marketing person, but someone like a TV news journalist, like, like a producer. And that was like light bulb moment for him. So he went to one of his senior leaders and said, here's what I want to do. Here's what I'm thinking, blah, 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 blah. And she knew me through a mutual connection. And so she reached out to me and said, Hey, <clears throat> would you be interested in this job? And I, it was like, I was just handed, you know, a, a big coffee cake or something like I was, wow. I don't know. I'm hungry apparently, but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, I was handed this amazing opportunity and, and I just jumped at it. And so I got to start the marketing department for America first home mortgage. And it was just me doing, doing blogging, uh, taking over the website, creating offers, doing social media, making videos. It was all just one person. And I got to begin to build a team and hire people and, and create this within this big corporation. I kind of had this entrepreneurial feel of creating a team to do this thing. And that's where I got bit with that entrepreneurial bug at the beginning. Wow. So there was no marketing team before you came? Correct. Wow. Yep. Yep. So how are they getting clients? Just people walking in? Word of mouth. Yep. Um, for a mortgage, for a mortgage company, whether you call them loan originators or mortgage consultants or whatever you call them, mortgage brokers for in some parts of the country, um, real estate agents and realtors are the biggest referral source. So you think about it, when you want to go buy a house, what's the first thing you probably do look on Zillow maybe, but also say, you know, <clears throat> I got a cousin's girlfriend's friend's sister who's a realtor. I'm going to ask them what to do. Yeah. She must be great because right? she knows someone who knows someone who knows me. <laughs> exactly. It's only one of the biggest investments I'll ever make, but <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Why not? So we start with those real estate agents and, and those, those realtors or real estate agents oftentimes will say to somebody, have you been pre-approved? No. Well, I got this person that you can go talk to. Um, I got a gal, I got a guy, whatever it is. And, and, and that's when you get that referral. So that was oh, their biggest source. You. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Right, so, so you started that marketing department, which is interesting because in your, in your TV world, um, it wasn't only marketing, right? You were actually preparing the script. It was a, a lot more than that. Um, but you knew that marketing was your thing. That's, I guess that's a question. I knew that communication was my thing. I guess, you know, it was, I, I remember sitting in the newsroom one day and just thinking, I, I got to get out of here. This is not working for me, man. I've got news and, and, and media experience, I can be a PR person, I'm sure. And that's all I thought PR was, was, was media relations and news. And PR is so much more than that. And, and the PR agency is, or the PR world is changing right now for sure, but it's definitely more than just writing news releases. Right. But that was my first thought was I can write news releases. They're going to want me and I can help them from there. 
so let's this is what i was going to ask you before is that um you know in your book and uh, some of the material i was reading and some of what we discussed today is that the world of marketing has completely changed over the last few years and probably will continue to evolve into this new form of inbound marketing where you need to provide value and you provide content create a relationship before there's a financial transaction as opposed to just putting your message out there um why do you think that we see this shift I think the shift began when the internet democratized information. Awesome. You know, yeah. I was hoping you would say this. Keep on going. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it's the, it's the whole idea that, you know, like if you think about back when, you know, my, my parents were young and I'm in my forties now. So back when my parents were young, uh, you know, they want to go buy a car. Well, all they could do is, is drive to the nearest car dealer or maybe a few miles out from there, but it's all local, right? They go to that car dealer. That dealer has all the information. They know the prices. They know everything. Yeah. You might have Kelly blue book that you can go buy somewhere, but that's probably outdated by now or whatever. So it's, it's hard, but it's, you know, that salesperson has all the information. They have the power and, and the internet came along and just turned that whole thing upside down. I feel like, and you have to be very careful in your research you know, when you're, when you're searching for whatever, whether it's a new car or, or a home or a mortgage, or it's, you know, a service to get you put on podcasts, you got to do your research and sift through it. And you have to be a discerning consumer. But the nice thing is that information's there, you know, and if I don't give away the information about what I'm doing, somebody else will. And so where do you build that? You know, where you've got to be able to build a trust. And the nice thing is too, um, and, I, and I like to tell people this, Shmuel, I'd say, look, you don't have to be everywhere and be everything to everybody. You know, you got to find the, all, the, the, the buyer persona that you work best with. And that doesn't mean that you have to have everybody come to you. You just, you got to find your, your group, you know, your family. So. Right. I mean, you, and more than that, you cannot be everything to everyone. You will end up being nothing to everyone because mm-hmm. you spread yourself too thin and, and you can't be true to yourself. I want to add another point to what you said also is that besides the fact that, you know, the sellers in any product or service, um, nowadays don't hold all the cards and mm-hmm. internet has definitely leveled the playing field and there's that sharing of information. But it used to be that if I have a message and I want to get my message out to hundreds, thousands, millions of people, you need to have hundreds, thousands or millions of dollars in order to do that because the only way to do that was by getting in front of a major TV station, a major, major radio station or a billboard. Um, but otherwise you'll be hanging up signs on local street poles. And (laughs) if your target customer happens to be jogging by that sign and rest against that pole to tie their shoe and notice and recall your information, then you might actually get a customer or word of mouth, but again, very localized. And, And you may have the best product. The person who has that big marketing, you're, you may have created a soda in your garage that's a million times better and more healthy and more affordable than Coca-Cola. And it might, the packaging might be, it might be everything, but there's no way for anyone to ever find out about it. But now with very little cost, you can create your own video podcast like we're doing right now. And without any producers with, with virtually no overhead whatsoever, people with information value to share, you could just put it out there. And again, specifically using some of the tactics that hopefully we'll still be able to talk about, you really can share all of that information with anybody who's interested. And not only that, with all the tremendous filters and powerful search engines, obviously, you know, mostly Google, you can filter the world knowledge so specifically to exactly precisely what you're doing. Obviously, the, 
we've all been Googling for years now, um, the more you do it and you know the exact terms to get the exact specific information to some teenager who just blogged exactly about it on the other side of the world. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, so obviously that completely changes everything. So if you're going to still be out there, the reason why I'm maybe a little bit excited about this part is because I've worked with companies or observed other companies who insist on holding on to the old method of marketing and it kills me to see them waste thousands and thousands of dollars on ineffective marketing marketing strategies. Well, although it may feel good because look, I drove by, there's my billboard and it's my face or my logo or my company, my product and look on TV, everybody, you know, you know, let's, let's DVR it and show everybody, you know, exactly all the, you know, what we did and we worked so hard for that 30 second commercial, whatever it is. Um, but that's not effective. You know, mm -hmm. people might remember it. They might be entertained if you did a good job at whatever it is that you did. But that that's that will not create leads, will not create fans, won't create followers, listeners. Mm -hmm. um, certainly not to the extent um, you know that yeah, that we can do now. Yeah, yeah, I love I love that. It's it's the one of the most wonderful times in the entire history of everything to be alive right now. So, and specifically to you, I agree with that hundred percent and specifically to you. So you coming from a world of TV journalism and I've heard from those in that industry where there, there's in, in my, in my mind, there's basically two groups. There are those who are digging their heels in and saying that, no, you know, TV is not dead. Radio is not dead. Newspapers will be printed forever because there's nothing like that romantic feel of the paper between your fingers with the aroma of your coffee in the morning. And then there are those who are realistic where there may be some of those people, but for the bulk of humanity, we're, we're, we're moving to a different form of media consumption, a different form of being marketed to, um, and, and that's not going to change. And those who are in the industries of newspaper, TV, radio, have the skills, the talent in the background, and they can be the front runners in this new world if they are only to embrace it. And yeah. I'll even add one more point is that it used to be that, you know, marketing to somebody was almost like a holdup. It's like this guy is trying to fill up gas and you come out with a gun and say, here's my product. You better buy it. This is, it's perfect for you. And yeah. you like, and the guy's like, I'm just trying to fill gas. I have an appointment to me. Like, no, 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 no. You're not going to continue watching that TV episode because I want to tell you to go to your local supermarket, buy a product that you never wanted or needed. Yeah. Now it's very different. Now it's, I actually went to the gas station to get gas. And while I'm getting gas, you're showing me that, I don't know, maybe another version of it or something else or something for my car or something that will help me get to my appointment, uh, whatever. But it's something that I'm already looking for and you're providing content. I'm not selling you anything. Yeah. Here, you know what? You're filling up on gas. Here's this little thing that will make it easier for you to do it next time. The next yeah. time when you come, you're like, oh, this is the guy that helps me with my problems. Now when I have my own problem and I'm looking and I'm knocking on your door, Instead of opening up the door and there's a guy there with a gun trying to sell a product, they welcome me in, they help me, they serve me, and I still have the opportunity to walk outside because it's actually not their house. It's their website or their blog or whatever, and nobody knows the difference if I exit out. And, you know, no pressure, sales. All right, I'm getting worked up here. <laughs> uh, I love it, man. I love the passion. Yeah. <laughs> but really, but really, that's the difference. I mean, it's, it's a completely mm -hmm. different world. Let's go into some of your, uh, some of the specific marketing strategies that you have uh, been using specifically social media marketing where there are so many, uh, there's so many kids and you know, people think that you need to have fortune 500 companies. If they want to hire someone, you have to wait for them to be just out of diapers. And then those are the people who have this magical gift that they can be a social media experts. Do you agree? Do you disagree? And 
what what is your take on this? <laughs> I completely disagree. Um, okay. Thank you. Age age doesn't necessarily have the only isn't the only factor, right? Um, certainly, you know, age can be be a factor, but it's not the only one. And 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 here's the thing, man. If 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 you've got a product and you've got a, a store with a door open, do you want to have the intern taking care of every single order that has no business experience? Do you want the intern who who is is just just fresh out of college or high school, or whatever, making business decisions for you and talking to every single customer? Probably not. Right. That's what social media is. It is your new doorway, and and, and there's there's so much power in that. Um, that if if you're gonna have an intern do it, at least educate them on other things as well. Uh, you know, we so I had so here's here's a great example of this, right? So I had I had a a person working for me uh, at the mortgage company, and I had charged them with uh, taking care of the social media for us and for a bunch of our branches out in the world. We had, you know, 50 branches across the, uh, the country. Wow. And, I and I said, I want you to take care of the social media and I want you to um, send out an email every week that has the seven days listed with a social media suggestion post and include the image if you can or a link to something and, and just and have some fun with it too. Do like, you know, motivational Monday and let's test this for a few months and see what happens with our social media presence right? Sounds, sounds innocent enough. Well, this, this young person, and, I, and I'm going to pick on millennials for a minute, even though I have much respect for the millennial generation, but this okay. young, but this young person had, uh, is he, that a he, politically correct way of referring to millennial? I think so. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I mean, fine. technically I'm Gen X, but I'm also pretty, like pretty millennial focused, I think in a lot of my, my behaviors, but this, this, the problem was this, this young person had had almost no business experience and didn't, didn't think with much common sense. And I don't think that's necessarily an age problem. That's just a, an experience problem and a, and a maturity problem. And so this, this person decided to go to a, um, a sarcastic website to find motivation. So it's more like demotivation. And, and I'll never forget it, man. I, I, I sat on to Facebook one morning and I saw one of our, one of our mortgage consultants had posted a meme that said the quote, you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. Now that's a great quote. And Wayne Gretzky said it. So anybody who knows hockey, that's great. The problem was this website attributed it to Lee Harvey Oswald, who, if you don't, if, if you're listening, you don't know, uh, is the man who assassinated president John F. Kennedy. So while a bit of a sarcastic person as I am, I can laugh at that and a personal thing. And like, that's just a wrong, wrong joke, but I can, I can at least see the humor and the wrongness of it. Doing it for a business is not okay. So I saw our mortgage consultant post this picture and I thought, dude, this is, this is not funny. So I called him and I left the voicemail and then he called me back. He's like, man, I don't, I don't even know what you're talking about. Somebody must have, must have hacked me. And I said, nobody hacked you. This is from your, like, th there's no way. Well, I traced it back and the young man who sent out this email, that's where he was finding that information. He sent out this, this sarcastic, not funny joke and it, and it almost I mean, it, it could have been disastrous. Fortunately, nobody saw it. It didn't go viral, <laughs> but that could have cost us a lot. Take that down. Now, that we can were. come from an experience. That could also come from a lack of knowledge. Yep, I, absolutely. And, and like, so yeah, I, I think that was the guy who originated it, right? Look <laughs> right. how inspirational. Yeah. Who's what, who's what Lee? That? Who's that? Yeah. Which team was he on? I know he was a hockey player. I just know yeah. which team. So yeah, I mean, I think that's just one of those things that you've got to have somebody at at the seat of your social media who has experience and knowledge, or who at least thinks about those kinds of things. And so certainly a young person can, can do that. A 20 year old can, 
but it's pretty unlikely. You've got to have somebody there who, who gets some business, who has some business acumen, who understands the ramifications. Okay. Now let's assume there's a lot of hype, but, uh, you know, about uh, social media marketing. If you've ever been on any social media challenge, uh, challenge any social media website, uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, you for sure came across certain people who claim that everybody in the world uh, should be starting social media marketing agencies and promising you how you'll be making six and seven figure incomes doing so in just a short amount of time. Just click below and, you know, get my book, my program, my yeah. whatever it is. And, and you have a million testimonials of other people who are standing in front of, uh, without getting too specific, but there's a lot of hype and uh, misinformation out yeah. there about this. So is it as simple as some people, you know, portray it? And what is, what is effective social media marketing look like? And I'm stacking the questions here. Yeah. I mean, I think, first of all, I want to, I want to kind of attack the first side of this. I, and, and I have some friends who are social media marketers or who use social media and marketing, and this is by no means a disrespect to them, but here's my first, my first step in this whole discussion. I don't believe in social media marketing as a strategy. Okay. You don't have a hammer house builder, right? You have a house builder who uses different tools in building your house. They use hammers, they use saws, they use screwdrivers, they use drills, whatever. So calling, so having a whole um, strategy behind one tool, I don't think is very, very wise. Now, with that said, I think using social media for marketing with other tools is absolutely beautiful. And I've seen people do it very well. Um, so yeah, so I think, I think this whole idea of just social media marketing, I think misses the point. There's, okay, so before, before we get to the second part of the question, I love what you yeah. just said, because people are business owners many times or people are in a position to make those, that level of those level decisions hear everything about social media may not fully understand it, but like this is something that we must use because this is the way all the new guys are making tons of money. And you just explain it's a hammer. Yes, I have a hammer in my toolkit when I build my house, but no, I don't hammer. I'm a builder. So yeah. that's awesome. Now what does effective social media uh, marketing look like? Um, so I, I want to tell us, tell a story about a friend of mine who I think is doing some amazing work right now. Um, Okay. So there's, there's a company called impact branding and design out of Connecticut. And, um, Stephanie K. Stevens is, uh, is their, their community manager and impact has this group called impact elite. And it's not just impact users or like clients. It's people who are interested in marketing and they get together and, and it's thousands of people strong. It's a pretty good sized group wow. and it's, and it's not paid or anything else. There's no monetary value to the company in this other than just a great community. And Stephanie gets in there every day and she comments on things. She helps facilitate discussions. She'll post polls. Um, when somebody goes in there and posts something just to post it, she'll question them. So why, what, what value is in this post? Why are you doing this? It's self-promotional. What's the value to the group? And so she does a lot of that kind of stuff, both glamorous and not so glamorous. And, uh, and that to me is a great use of social media. Um, she's one great example. I think also another friend of mine, uh, Remington Beg with Impulse Creative, uh, he's using social media for his for his agency. Uh, and, and he's an inbound guy too. And, um, and he and his, uh, his, one of his, one of his partners, uh, or employees, uh, George B. Thomas, they use social media to again, communicate. And, you know, George is always creating, uh, videos and, and doing video Facebook lives to educate people on how to use HubSpot better. Uh, you know, Remington is sharing personal stories about his, his time. He's, he lives in Florida. So as I'm, as I'm watching him in his Florida uh, pictures and videos in, in the middle of winter, 
like I'm connected to him and I have a personal connection now and he's a friend. And so I would send business his way or whatever. So that's two examples I think of using social media well for marketing communication. So that's interesting because both of those cases, I mean, there's so many people who have paid, you know, Facebook groups, not officially Facebook groups because that would be against the policy, but you pay for something else and basically that's what you get. And a lot of times there's tremendous value in there. Like you, like you mentioned, and you know, even just support in numbers. And as long as you have, you know, an expert in the room and you know, other people doing, but the examples that you gave are people without any direct um, business intent, uh, really just giving support and giving support, really just helping out just like you would help out a friend who's in business. So doing that with complete strangers and just doing it and doing it and doing it without um, any strategy for monetizing it. Um, I guess you're saying that itself, just, you know, people know that you're someone who gives value. You're someone who they can turn to when they need help with certain specific issues. Um, and they feel comfortable They you know, they develop a relationship with you and I guess the business will follow. Is that correct? Am I getting it? Or, or do yes. you a little bit more of a, of a structure somewhere further down the line? I mean, I think there's still, there's definitely a strategy behind what each of those examples are doing, but it's not necessarily uh, give me, give me money and I'll give you value. It's I'm going to build value for you. And then, and then I'll, and then you'll eventually work with me. Now I say eventually, but here's the thing. You can't just sit back and, and hope for the best, right? You have to go after it. You still have to be able to close. You still have to be able to have systems in place to help people make that decision to do business with you. It's not just a, a bunch of unicorns and rainbows and like, oh, sure, I, I made this group and people are there and now I'm rich or whatever. Like it, it still takes work. It still takes strategy and it still takes some, some kind of, I guess you could say, old school tactics, tactics of closing and communicating. Um, so I'm not afraid of that side of it, but it, but it definitely value upfront and community because we do business People do business with people they get to know, like, and trust. Okay, so what what would you say to somebody who is, uh, perhaps they have value to share and they're starting to share information through whatever channels they are and they're starting to create this, but they have no idea how to ever monetize this. Uh, and, you know, I've seen people who have, you know, been giving away tons and tons of free stuff and perhaps they're at a point where that, you know, it's taking up enough of their time that if they're not getting some form of compensation somewhere that they just can't keep on going on forever. Oh, yeah. H- how would you go about, you know, trying to find a way to monetize, to, to monetize it without being the guy with the mask over the face and the gun and saying, buy my product. <laughs> um, it, of course it always depends on the, on the, the, the product or service that you're offering. But I think a lot of times what it comes down to is becoming that, seeing yourself as that guide or that coach right? So if you have, if you have products to sell, you're going to have to bring value to those, to the people that, that have the problem that that product solves, right? I didn't say that the best way, but you know, if, if I solve your problem, I got to bring you value. If I have a service, I'm going to solve your problems. I have to bring you value. And so I think you have to position yourself as the expert in that, um, in that, that world, whatever it is that you're doing, whether it's a product or a service, right? So let's say for instance, if we have a, a service. Um, so I started a podcast earlier this year because I just wanted to, I want to interview um, storytellers, whether they're writers or podcasters or filmmakers or whatever. And I want to help other people tell better stories. Cause that's what I love about marketing. So I started that podcast. I have no monetization plan at all, but what it does is it positions me as a thought leader in the storytelling industry. And someday what I may be able to do is turn that into 
speaking gigs or consulting or coaching, that kind of stuff, right? And so to monetize it someday, now I have a long-term vision for this. I'm fortunate that I have a job that I love. I love what I do with Interview Valet, but, but I want to position myself for someday, right? And so someday I can look at myself as a business or marketing consultant, marketing strategist. Um, so that's the example that I would use is that you've got to think of yourself as that kind of a, a guide and mentor and coach and be able to monetize it that way in the future rather than just like, Hey, I need to make a, I'm going to change time for dollars. You don't want to do that. Right. So uh, by observing a lot of these thought leaders and experts it used to be experts meant you went to college and a PhD and you had a successful practice and you're mm -hmm. 60, 70 years old. And now you're an expert. Now you're an expert because you watch some YouTube videos, you Googled and, and you spent some time and, and you actually know more about it than their average Joe. You know, you always need to okay. stay one step ahead, but then you're the expert. And there's some, yeah. there's some truth to that. You know, there, there is some truth to that. But now, I, sometimes, sometimes I kind of wonder how genuine this really is when you see every, not everyone, but so many people who are podcasting, who are blogging, vlogging, or, and sharing real content and value many times, in my opinion, it looks like almost too many times their monetization strategy ends up being, so now that I'm the expert, pay me for, you know, for further services as a consultant, as a coach, as a online course. Um, I don't know. Do you feel like that's maybe pushing it too much? It's like now, now that you're in with me, anything I sell you, you should kind of buy, or maybe that's a natural evolvement um, evolution, I should say, of, you know, of the sales funnel, which maybe was intentional, maybe it wasn't intentional, but now that we have this relationship, it makes sense that you should uh, yeah. be purchasing these things for me. I mean, I think it goes back to consumer discernment, right? You as a consumer, if you are in that world with that person who's doing that, if they, if red flags go up and they don't seem like they're legit, then don't do business with them, right? Um, we have to sift through the BS to get to the good stuff, right? And so, um, so I don't see anything wrong with the, the idea that I've educated, and I say I as, as in a general sense, not me personally, but mm -hmm. I've educated myself through different channels, not just university, right? I've educated myself through um, reading books, through the fact that I'm just a catalyst to ideas, whatever this is. And so now I bring this value as an expert. Um, you know, I mean, the expert just means that you know more than the average person about that subject. And so how much do average people know about the thing that you're trying to become an expert in? If you know a little bit more than them, you can help them. And if, if you help them and they're making money by how you're helping them or they need that service or whatever, there's nothing inherently wrong with charging money for that. Right. Right. You know, so, but, but yeah, as consumers, we have to just be discerning. Right. And that's the other thing we mentioned is that ultimately the consumers will decide if what you have, if what you're providing has value, if people are buying, and that means that you're providing something that's valuable that they'll exchange their hard-earned dollars for your information or service or product or whatever you're doing. Yeah. Um, I know in your book you talk about, I don't even know if I'm pronouncing this right, the D-CAR or D-C-A-R, yeah. uh, those right attributes. I didn't see it in your book yet. Can you share with our listeners what that means? Um, so I, I took that from uh, the, the, I, the idea of it began with the inbound marketing book from Brian and Armesh. Um, I, I believe that finding this new marketer, you need to find someone who is a digital citizen, which means that they understand the digital world very, very well. You don't have to be a native. You know, digital natives would be like millennials, which is fine. Nothing wrong with hiring a millennial, um, but they don't have to be. 
a digital okay. native can be someone from Gen X or, or a baby boomer who has lived in the digital world for a long time and understands it, truly understands it. Um, I've worked with some, some folks who are, you know, I'm in my forties now. Uh, I worked with, I've worked with folks who are in their fifties who are digital citizens. They get it. So that's, that's number one. Um, someone who's creative, you have to think outside the box. It can't just be the next step, the next step, the next step. They have to be creative and they have to be able to either, you know, write in some way, use creative energies, you know, for, for, um, graphics, for podcasting, for whatever they have to be creative. Um, you have to be, you have to have an analytical bent, right. And then in the digital world, you've got to be able to be analytical and think about things and measure things and understand analytics and that kind of stuff. Um, and then they have to have reach in some way, whether they have a little bit of reach they can build on, or they understand how to build reach reach has to be part of that discussion of, you know, if, if, if I hire somebody for my digital marketing and they have no Twitter presence, no, no presence on LinkedIn, they've never heard of Instagram, we're done here, right? Like you've got to have some reach. Now, what does reach look like? Numbers can vary depending on, on your threshold. Um, and of course, numbers can be bought, that can be fudged, but you've got to have an understanding of that. So, so I think finding that digital marketer has to be a combination of those factors and you can weigh different each one differently for your particular situation. You may find somebody who's very analytical, but who isn't as creative, but they're still a great fit. Okay, great. No problem. Or someone who's very creative, who doesn't have the analytic bent, you can find tools for analytics, right? But that, that DCAR uh, idea is what I, I kind of figured nice. like you need that. Interesting. So uh, again, so this, uh, it should say, I, mean, I don't like when people say, Oh, I don't get the, online marketing thing. I don't get the digital media thing. It's not for me. Those are for the high school kids. Uh, if you even take away the D, I like the fact that D car is, is separate. You know, someone who's creative, analytical, I guess the D and the R kind of go together, right? The digital citizen or native and the person who has reach, obviously, if, obviously if someone is not involved at all in social media and they, had, they, they don't exist as far as social media is concerned, it's probably not the best fit. But really, the raw skills is you know the creativity and the the analytical ability, and then the experience and the learned skills. The learned skills really is the digital citizen, and then the reach is just the reach is almost like uh, is almost measuring to what extent this person really is a digital citizen. That's yeah. kind of what it is, and and then you have the ability to use the skills to be successful. Yeah. Excellent. If there's Again, I know it's late. We took a lot of your time and I'm going to try to wrap things up a little bit. But if there's uh, any one particular book, I know you have your ebook, um, and we'll definitely put a link to that in the show notes. Um, if there is any book other than that, which you think discusses some of the principles that, that we, we just spoke about right now, that you would recommend our listeners to be able to dig a little bit further about the new world of marketing and inbound marketing, is there any particular book that you would recommend to our listeners? Oh man, that's a great question. Uh, you know, for, for the, for the world of digital marketing, I think one of the, one of the best books out there right now is unbranding from Scott Stratton and Allison Kramer. Um, when I, when I first was listening to your shows and I knew this question was coming, my, my original thought for the best book for not for the love your nine to five, for those who want to understand what to do next um, is Dan Miller, 48 days to the work you love. Um, I know you've had Dan on, on your show. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. And that wasn't a plug for him like planned. I just, you told me that I'm like, Oh cool. I like Dan. Um, but his book is just incredible. His book is phenomenal. Yeah. Oh. So those, those would be the two books. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to 
Turn Your Whole Show Upside Down. Those are two books for you. <laughs> oh, my goodness. That's it. I don't know what to do now. <laughs> You're only allowed to have one. All right. We can even we can link to it again. Um, I don't get any affiliate marketing commission. Maybe I should set that up one day. Right. But, <laughs> but for right now, I don't. But both the 48 Days to Work Your Love is a phenomenal, phenomenal book, uh, which is actually, if you want to know how the interview with Dan Miller came about, I read the book and I'm like, wow, I must speak to this person. And I think I went onto his website and filled out his contact me form and we had a podcast and it was amazing. Um, Dan's a good guy. Yeah. And we'll definitely put a link to both of those. And, and just in conclusion, if the, the listeners will want to learn more about you and see what you're doing and consume some more of your content and maybe even your, actually, what's the name of your podcast? We'll definitely put a link to that as well. Oh, sure. Uh, Yeah. My podcast is called the storytellers network. Yep. And if, you know, if the listeners want to connect with me at any point, um, you know, social media, learn some more about how all this inbound marketing stuff works. Um, very easy to find me. Just go to interviewvalet.com forward slash nine two five, not the number two T O nine to five, just like your show. Okay. So yeah, I'll have, I'll have stuff on there about video marketing, about podcast interview marketing, about inbound marketing. It's all there on, on that page for them. Awesome. Awesome. We'll definitely, so we'll put that as well. Thank you so much, Dan, for your time. Um, really, I, th- I think we've uh, kind of we've we've gotten the love you not to five piece and the inbound marketing piece together. I think we I think you really uh, delivered on exactly what we wanted. So thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Smell was my it was my pleasure, man. I thank you for having me. I hope that you've enjoyed this episode and had as much fun as I did when I recorded this episode with Dan. If you are enjoying the Love You 9 to 5 show, please head over to iTunes or whichever app you are using to listen to your podcast and leave me a nice review. This will allow the app or iTunes, wherever you are, to show this podcast to other listeners too. 